This is made for you by All Souls, a church in Seattle, Washington, seeking to be a community not just for ourselves, but a vibrant expression of who God is, gracious, present, hospitable. Take a moment now to come as you are and bring your attention to God. So last year, my wife and I um, briefly gave movie night a try, uh, and it went something like this. On Friday nights, we settled into the sofa, struggled to agree on a movie to watch, and then when we finally agreed on one, it would be only a matter of time before someone was too bored or, as was often the case, too scared to continue. So the evening often ended in tears, followed by nightmares with wake-ups for dessert. So much for movie night. We now do a game night, and that's much more enjoyable, but before we gave up on movie night, the number one movie that seemed to please all ages and therefore won multiple screenings was Nacho Libre. (laughs) And if you know me, you know that I love this movie, and you're probably still trying to figure out what that means about me, or at least I am. (laughs) So if you haven't seen it, Jack Black stars in this slapstick comedy set in a Mexican monastery. And Brother Nacho, Jack Black, is the monastery cook. And he doesn't like his duties, as he says. That's what he calls his job. Uh, His cooking shows it. What wouldn't pass an OSHA food safety test, right, is what he serves. He would have no TripAdvisor awards. And in one scene, his cooking is so bad it makes the whole dining room that he has just served sound like a whoopee cushion concert. So Nacho is like is like rarely present to his tasks because he is dreaming about being a Mexican wrestler. He wants to be a luchador. And he's in monk clothes serving beans. So this is, this is his life, right? He wants a taste of the glory, he says at one point. And he doesn't see that possibility in his daily life and its duties. <laughs> um, I was thinking about Nacho the other night and how distracted and disenchanted I was with my own cooking and cleaning duties. (laughs) How impossible the pile of dishes on my counter felt when at 9.45 p.m. after an unusually long two-hour session of getting the kids down with fruit flies, like, swarming, getting in my eyes, right? Like, that's how many we have right now in our house. I don't know if y'all are experiencing this, or maybe we're just dirty people. Um, But with fruit flies, right, swarming, it was now my time for my dish duties, (laughs) And my approach was to pop in some headphones and escape the present as much as possible. To escape into a world of a book. But I think actually at the time it was like a podcast on soccer. And so I plunged further and further into the pile of dishes and into my podcast escape. And I could feel this kind of like nagging that maybe there was like something more than this. Like I could imagine... Not like Nacho, right? Like wanting a taste of the glory and not finding it among the fruit flies and the dishes. And he didn't even have podcasts, right? So this was me like struggling. Maybe like what, what more could I be doing with this moment besides just distracting myself with an international soccer like obsession that's growing? <laughs> Maybe I could get Carolyn and we could, we could talk about our days while we do the dishes together. Um, of course, she would have to stop the other job she's doing. We kind of both need to work at the same time in order to get done before bed and all that, you know. But maybe I should pray. That occurred to me for a second. And I wondered, like, what would that even look like right now? After a day, 
that felt hurried and I felt harried. I found myself too exhausted to do anything but escape into the world of international soccer. And I found myself asking, is this really the way it's supposed to be? Is life lived to the margins, what Jesus meant by life to the full? Is a podcast about a sports team located halfway around the world really the rejuvenating answer I need for my weariness right now? Each week, each month, ongoing. Like who in this search of life, in the season of life, the search for life within it, who am I becoming? A hurried and distracted person? So as we begin the fall, And our new fiscal and ministry year, which kicks off in October, you heard maybe a little bit about that last week when our vestry um, shared an update. We're reflecting on this question. Who am I becoming? We are asking, who, who am I becoming? With an aim to ask as a community, who are we becoming? So what about you? Who are you becoming? What sort of person at the end of a long day are you? What sort of person do you become when you run up against your unwanted duties and responsibilities? What sort of roommate or spouse are you becoming? What kind of worker, what kind of colleague or daughter or brother or dad or mom or son? Who do you want to be? And is that who you're becoming? We're exploring together three words that have long been signposted all souls to describe who God is. Gracious, present, and hospitable. Last week we explored gracious. You can hear that if you missed it on our sermon podcast or on our website. These three words have long stood as markers of who we hope we are becoming in response to who God is, right? Who we hope we're becoming as all souls. A church not just for ourselves. This is in our mission statement. But in and for our city as a vibrant expression of who God is, gracious, present, and hospitable. Today, we look at the second word, present, as we consider who God is as present to us and to this world. And what it means in particular, that we practice the presence of God in a culture that so often leaves us hurried and harried, distracted and numb. Jesus' word for present as he puts it in the reading we just heard from R.D., which she read so beautifully, in the parable of the vine and the branches, is abide. Abide is a word that means, simply put, to be with. He told his disciples, be with me and I will be with you. Abide in me and I with you. It was a straightforward thing to say at the time, right? I mean, Jesus and his disciples, they're together. The disciples he spoke these words to could follow Jesus around like the dust he would kick up. Jesus would kick up with his sandals as he walked the Middle East could actually like accumulate on them as they stuck close to him and were with him and all that he did. Following Jesus, right, wasn't a metaphor, (laughs) when it originally came off of Jesus' lips. It was literal. But today, we can't book a flight to Jerusalem, rent a car, and go find Jesus on a mountainside to follow him around and sit at his feet. So how do we be with him? How do we abide with Jesus today? The night before his death, Jesus made a puzzling promise that helps us understand 
what he's inviting us into. And he said this to his disciples. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The word here for another, like another advocate, basically means another of the same kind. So another one of Jesus or another like Jesus of Jesus will be sent to help us to actually be with us. Jesus later clarifies he is speaking about the Holy Spirit. So going forward, the way we are to be with Jesus is via the Holy Spirit. Quick sidebar, especially for those of you who might be new to Christianity and church, and you're like, wow, Jesus, and then Holy Spirit, and then Father, what is going on here? So the Holy Spirit is not like the force in Star Wars, okay? Uh, The Spirit, I mean, that would be kind of cool if, like, I've always imagined it, you know, like moving things with your mind or being like, these are not the droids you're looking for. Officer, I was not speeding, like, would be a great ability. But the Spirit doesn't give that, right? The Spirit is not an Eastern sort of, like, eternal sea of non-being, okay? The Holy Spirit is a person. In all of Jesus' teachings, and what the Bible shows is a mysterious but a beautiful like way in which God is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God is a community of self-giving love flowing between each person in the Trinity as distinct and yet one. So, to be with the Spirit is to be with Jesus. And to be with Jesus is to be with the Father. Being with God via the Holy Spirit then is to enter into the flow of life within the inner life of God himself that inner life from which all creation has come. This is what Jesus is pointing us to with this image he uses when he describes how we are to be with or to abide with him. Like a vine delivers life-giving connection to branches, Jesus is using the metaphor of a winery and the need for a branch to abide in the vine to bear fruit. In this metaphor, Jesus is the vine And we, his disciples, his followers, are the branches. And connection to the life of God is possible because of the promised Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus is teaching us. But Jesus doesn't just give us a promise. He gives us a practice. He gives this instruction, abide in me and I in you. So pause for a second. Let's just look at that. I think so many of us, Stop at the promise of life with God and have yet really to live into the practice of life with God. I think so many of us, right, stop at the promise of life with God and have yet to really live into a practice of life with God. And the promise, friends, is meant to animate our practice. They're meant to go together. And that's why Jesus uses this word abide. It's it's an action word, (laughs) He uses it 10 times, a word that means be with, make your home here, remain. He is trying to draw our attention that we should develop a practice of making our home in God through the Holy Spirit who is making his home in us. So two main things to explore here. First is that God is making his home in us. And second is that we in turn are invited to make our home in God. God making his home in us, us making our home in God, okay? First is that God is making his home in us. The biography of homelessness goes all the way back 
to that gate east of Eden where Adam and Eve, through their preference for a kingdom of their own, forsook God's kingdom. They used to be so present to each other and to God, so at home with God and each other, that the Bible tells us they could be naked and unashamed. That's powerful. That's a powerful sense of home. Ever since, we've been trying to find our way back to that kind of ease of being, that kind of safety. And God has met us in this drive throughout history by mediating his presence at points through clouds and pillars of fire, as we read in Exodus, and to guide the Exodus people through the wilderness, a tabernacle at one point to hold the evidence of God's ever-present help, and then eventually a temple. But now, since Jesus Christ has come to deal with our rejection of our true home in God, to reconcile us for that bent you know, that's in all of us to make our own kingdom and home apart from God, since God has been at work in our hearts through that, since Jesus has come to make a way for us to return home again, since Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit, the welcome wagon, we, you and me, have now become the household of God, as Paul says it. The very location where you can look up and find God is present. The temple, made of living stones, as it's later described. God is making his home with us. This is the promise, and many of us, friends, are happy to stop there, and maybe that's a good thing for a while, to really like soak that in. But we forsake the practice. We settle for, cool, this house is ours, but we never actually move in. Jesus doesn't give us just a promise. He also gives us a practice. Abide in me. Make your home in me, Jesus is effectually saying. Dwell in me. Make your home in my presence by the Spirit, and you never have to leave that place of safety again. That place of grace. That place of joy of being listened to, of being known and loved, abide in me. Now, if this sounds like the sort of thing reserved for like pro-Christians and pastors uh, and the rest of us who are like busy with the demands of city life and responsible for an inbox and having mouths to feed, let me clarify something. Jesus isn't asking you to do something you're not already doing. All of us are abiding. Even the dude, the big Lebowski abides, okay? The question isn't, are you abiding? It's what you are abiding in. All of us have a source we are rooted in, a kind of default setting we return to, an emotional home. It's where our brains drift when they're in screensaver mode. It's our daydream mode, where we seek solace, where we find free time to spend it there, where our receipts show that our money actually goes. We will make our home somewhere. The question is where? God has made his home in us. And we are invited to make our home in God. And friends, this matters. Because whatever we abide in will determine the fruit of our lives. For good or for harm. For example, as we abide in our news feed, (laughs) are we becoming more anxious, more angry, judgy? Distracted. 
As we abide in our watch list on Netflix, are we becoming restless and bored and never present to like what is in front of us? As we find our home in another drink or another smoke or another hookup to take the edge off and try to find a moment's peace, are we becoming people who are actually more compulsive, addicted, and running from our pain, which ironically is also running from our healing? But if we find our home in the inner life of the living God, are we beginning to find the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you not want that fruit to be coming more and more out of your life and into the life of those around you? So who are we becoming has a lot to do with where we locate our home, with whom we abide. But I think a clarification is just helpful here, okay? This is not about holing yourself up in some monastery or getting away to a mountaintop or retreating all the time, okay? Although if you're like trying to break a habit, that could be helpful. It could be a helpful interruption. But abiding in Jesus via the Holy Spirit is actually about learning to always be in two places at the same time. Two places at the same time. So drinking a coffee and being with Jesus. Riding the bus on the morning commute and being with Jesus. Changing another diaper and being with Jesus. Sorting through your email and somehow being with Jesus. Cooking dinner and being with Jesus. Doing the dishes. Doing those unwanted duties and being with Jesus. Abiding with Jesus is about accepting that God has turned your body into a temple, which is to say, a place of overlap between heaven and earth. A little outpost of what God is going to one day do for the whole of creation when heaven and earth are fully united again. When the kingdom has come in the person of Jesus and the sending of his spirit into your life, that same spirit that is remaking the whole world. So the kingdom is coming, but it's not fully here yet, right? That's why we pray the kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And God is saying that includes even in you and also through you and me. This lifestyle of always being in two places at once is what Paul calls praying without ceasing. It's what the Spanish monk, St. John of the Cross, called remaining and loving attention to God. I love that. What Quakers have referred to as centering down. It's kind of like grounding. What the wonderful app Centering Prayer is all about. What Dallas Willard calls the with God life. What Brother Lawrence, who much like Brother Nacho, struggled with his duties, yet discovered in the ordinariness of doing dishes something extraordinary, a taste of the glory. Brother Lawrence calls it this, the practice of the presence of God. Friends, as nice as being with Jesus might sound, it will remain a spiritual sentimentality until we can begin to grasp Jesus' invitation is not just to the promised presence of God, but to the practice of the presence of God. One pastor 
John Mark Comer puts this well when he says, abiding is not a technique by which we control our relationship with God, but it is a skill. And like all skills, it will take practice. So to close, I want to offer you four invitations, okay? Short invitations to this practice of God's presence. The first is this. Waste time with God. (laughs) Like we all live in like time-torn lives, right? Being busy with good things is not bad. But many of us will feel like we just don't have time to be with God in a meaningful way. And yet, we choose to spend hours every day scrolling on our phones. I mean, go ahead, check your like average screen time, right? And then you're like, oh, I don't have time. But if we've kind of, if we're in this space, right? You might not be in that space. But if you are in that space, what if you, me, we are becoming people who waste time on trivial things? And so spending time with God actually feels like wasting time. So in that spirit, I think it's okay. I encourage you to, to actually waste time with God. Go ahead. That might be part of the healthy healing process from distraction and the feed that uh, is in your life, that kind of cycle. Which brings me to the second invitation. Keep showing up. Stay with an intention to abide with God until you experience what Paul and Brother Lawrence are talking about. If this is your first experience with prayer or a kind of prayer that's seeking to abide with God in this way, keep showing up. Even if distraction and boredom and scary emotions surface, you don't need to feel the need to like shame yourself. That won't help. Offer that to God in his loving presence. And know that he is with you. Abide in me and I with you. I'm encouraged by this. A longtime practitioner of prayer, uh, Henry Nowen, an experienced guide in this uh, sort of abiding prayer. He said some days he feels God's nearness. In other days, his mind is like, and I love this image, a banana tree filled with monkeys. (laughs) Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Stick with it. Keep showing up. And the third invitation, make your practice personal. We're all wired differently. I tend to pray while walking, and the movement actually helps like still my heart and my mind. I also like to journal and write. My friend, uh, who's a musician, writes songs of the Psalms. Another friend memorizes parts of scripture. I think that's a great place to begin. If you want to start with Psalm 23, that's a great place to start. But some people like to use some of these like mindfulness practices, right, and yoga that have become kind of like the rage lately, and they're useful. But I think this is important. Mindfulness and other like approaches to meditation are so often impersonal. Focusing on breath and maybe the moment, right? Not bad. That can be helpful. But remember Jesus' words, abide in me and I in you. This is an invitation Yes, to observe the moment and maybe even your breath as you become grounded in that moment, but specifically God's presence to you relationally in that moment, personally in that moment. Thomas Akempis described abiding as a familiar friendship with Jesus. Jesus, who calls us friends and invites us into friendship with him. The kind of friend, right, you can just share a moment with and know there's freedom from feeling a certain way or saying a certain thing. Jesus, as our friend 
who is one we can bring our sorrows to and he can carry them. Our joys to and he shares them. Mindfulness, wherever it's helpful and related to abiding, is great so far as these techniques lead us to abide in Jesus and discover that he is present to us personally. As a friend, Jesus is aware of your and my temperaments, extroverted, introverted, still, active. So make abiding personal. Allow God to lead you in that. And I'd be happy to be someone who talks with you about that if you're interested in that. And prayer triads are a beautiful way to explore this with two other people in a more personalized way than large groups often accommodate. Um, We also, as a staff, are exploring how to bring in a curriculum called Practicing the Way. It's a teaching series on nine different practices. Half of them are related to your inner life. Half are related to your, your outer life, kind of mimicking this pattern in Jesus where he would go away and then come back and go away and come back. So we're uh, journeying through that. If you want to explore some of those resources uh, with us, we would love to partner with you in that. But finally, find what Jesus called a secret place to pray. A place where you can give your attention to God and enjoy God's attention being lovingly directed to you. It's that secret place, that safe place that grounds us when we go out to be present in the hardship and heartache and hurry of the world. We can be serving in a difficult relationship. We can be hurt for the sake of loving someone else. We can volunteer in a soup kitchen that smells and depresses us with life's poverty. We can attend to the dishes and life's responsibilities when we don't feel like it because we have a safe space in the kingdom of God. Friends, be present to that place where we know God is for us and loves us, abides with us, and invites us to abide in him. All souls, who are we becoming? Who are you becoming? Maybe more and more a vibrant expression of who God is. Gracious, present, hospitable. Amen. Amen.